have you known him to be by your side? Amen. A very, very present help in times of trouble, but also good times too. His presence is undeniable. Would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28? Matthew chapter 28. It's good to see you this morning. And it's also good to see Charles Robinson and family. Welcome back to God. Amen. Come on, we can give God praise for that. Come on, they've been out on the mission field. Amen. Matter of fact, Charles, I want you to pray for me before I preach. All right? And your wife is still on the road. She's coming in soon. You came back and registered all the kids for school. You are the man. Amen, brother. Well, give, tell your family what's happening, man. How you been? Oh, tired. Tired. But God is good. Amen. You know, when, um, when you, you feel the waves splashing around you, and you know, there's no way in, in my flesh that I can take one more step. And, but God says to step anyways. Mm -hmm. And you take that step. And, and, and your foot lands on something solid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's been one of those summers. Yeah. Yeah. But God is good. Yeah. Let's see, the van broke down, mm. right, while you were out there? Yes, the van. Oh, man. But he provided? He provided. So tell everybody just a little bit about what you do for our guests who are here, mm. what you do every summer. Uh, we, we have a nonprofit organization that we go into Native American reservations and we share Jesus with our Native people in a culturally relevant way where for the last 500 years or so, they've said you become a follower of Jesus, you, you stop being Indian. Mm -hmm. But they never say that to the Scottish people or the German people or the Italian people that when you become a follower of Jesus, you, you stop being who God created you to be. So, so we go and we take these baskets that... Uh, our church, many of you guys, lots of you guys provided for us to be able to go and, and share these, we call baskets of hope with families in these native communities and, and pray for the opportunity to, to, to meet spiritual needs as we're meeting physical needs. And, and we've been doing that for about almost 15 years now, mm -hmm. every summer. And, uh, uh, and this is our home. And if I heard you correctly, y'all have been out there toiling, ministering, and it's good to be back at home mm. and to have the Lord just fill your cup, New Hope Academy and the families there. Yes. Because you've been a warrior. You've been on the front lines, man. So we want you to rest. Let the Lord encourage your soul. But, man, it's good to see you. We love you, man. Thank you. Amen, amen. Come on, amen. pray one for me, baby. Yes. Pray one for me. So, Father God, we lift up Pastor Chris to you. Lord, you know how he has ministered to us just mm. uh, uh, through the many, many years. Lord, you always seem to, to speak words of truth through this man that have far-reaching impacts. We pray once again for that opportunity today that the words that come out of his mouth mm -hmm. would be directly from you. And the hearts mm -hmm. of those words go into, Father, they would be impacting. And they would take these teachings mm -hmm. for today and, uh, and share them throughout the day and throughout mm -hmm. the week. Father, your word is not one to be kept to ourselves, mm -hmm. but one to be shared. As we spread these seeds, Father, we know that the mm -hmm. truth will grow. So we yes. pray that you would just uh, continue to speak through our pastor, mm -hmm. my friend, my brother. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Bless you, warrior. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 28. 
beginning at verse 18. Reading from the New King James Version, the Bible says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus made a promise. And it's a promise that we just got finished singing about, that the God of angel armies will always be by our side. And here Jesus is saying to the 11 apostles, before he ascends to glory, he gives them the promise of his presence, that I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. But this promise is packaged within a command. And the command is to make disciples. And not just disciples, but disciples of all the nations. And Jesus said, when you obey that command, I will give you the promise of my presence that I will be with you as you obey me to make disciples. So we know that he's with us all the time. He's omnipresent. But Jesus is saying, in a special way, you'll experience my manifest presence as you obey me, as you go out and you make disciples of all the nations. Now, you know a lot about what's on someone's heart based on what they talk about before they leave you. You know, when you go visit someone in a hospital and they're about to pass and, and you know that their time is short, the things that they talk about are very important to them. And so Jesus is about to ascend into glory. And he wants his disciples to hear something that's very near and dear to his heart. And that is the reason why he came. That people may be saved, that is, born again because of his sacrifice on the cross. And that they may grow, as our worship leader said today, as sons and daughters of the living God. It's called discipleship. And the words here, make disciples, they're in the aorist imperative tense, which means do this and do it now. This was not a suggestion to the 11. This was a command to the 11. And dare I say, it is a command to us as well. Because in order to make disciples, which is a command in the aorist imperative, one must first be a disciple of Jesus. So if you weren't here last week, go on our website and listen to that message. It talks about what it means to be a disciple of Christ. A disciple literally is a follower of Jesus, someone who is not leading his or her own life, but they are following the leader. They're following Jesus. And it's what he says that goes. It's the place where he points that we follow behind and go. And so the Lord is the master. He's the teacher. We're the students. We're the pupils. And so the Lord says, I want you all who are disciples to go out and make disciples, make more followers, not followers of you. Mm -mm. Say that one more again. Not followers of you or me. 
As a matter of fact, Paul put it this way so that we wouldn't get it twisted. Follow me as I follow Christ. It's about following Christ, not a man. Now, Jesus even said about the disciples, or excuse me, the Pharisees, when he was rebuking them in uh, Matthew chapter 23, when he was calling them all kinds of hypocrites, and he was calling them out, you know, you're whitewashed sepulchers, you're full of dead man's bones. And he even went so far as to say, and by the way, Jesus had his harshest words for the most religious people. And he said to these hypocrites, he said, um, you go throughout the whole earth to make a disciple. And once you make that disciple, that disciple becomes just as much a child of hell as you are. So their focus was to get people to be like them, not to be like God. Surely for them, not to be like Jesus. But for us, when we make disciples, it's not about people trying to be like us. It's not about trying to make disciples in the name of the church. And when that happens, watch out, because there are many manipulative ministries out here, and their goal is to conform you to their church or to their denomination and not to see you conform to the image of Jesus Christ. So we got to be careful. we got to be careful. Again, we're not leading people to be like us, to be like our church, to be like our denomination. Our goal is to see these people become like Jesus Christ followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are just people who are helping them get started, but he is the one who will keep them going. So in this passage, Jesus makes a command. And I love how he makes this command because I, I, I can't stop here. This will be in a couple of weeks. But you see that when he tells these 11 Jewish followers, for salvation came to the Jew first, Jesus came to the lost sheep of Israel. That was an order and a strategy in how he would reach the world and fulfill Genesis 12, 3, where he said to Abraham, every family on the face of the earth is going to be blessed through you, through the Jews, through your posterity. The Messiah is Hebrew, Israel, an Israelite. He is a Jew. And so Jesus came to the Jew first, but he didn't stay with the Jews because he would be a light, according to Isaiah, to the Gentiles. So Jesus gives these 11 guys a vision of the diverse kingdom. And he says, I want you to go to all the nations, not just to Jewish people, because I know that could be comfortable. I know you know Jews because you are Jews, but this good news is for everybody. It's for everybody. So go to all nations, all ethnic groups. Ethnos is the word in the Greek for nations. So the Lord always had this diverse kingdom vision for the kingdom of God, diversity. He said, man, go out and make disciples and I need you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, identify them as people who believe that God is one, yet plural in his person. For many Jews, that would be hard because they would know the monotheistic tendencies of God from the Old Testament that God is one. Here, Israel, the Lord our God is one. They knew about the Spirit of God hovering over the waters in Genesis, so they couldn't really figure it out, but they knew the Father and they knew the Spirit. But when these Jews would go out and they would talk to other Jews and they would say that Jesus is the Son of God, he is God the Son, and you would be baptized in his name, oh my, that was a serious commitment for Jews who heard the gospel. So when they identified, came under the Lord, got immersed in water, they were coming out of that water, identifying with the God who is one, yet plural in person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This was something huge. And they were also to be taught, and they were also to uh, observe, and they were to go. So we see that to make disciples, they had to go, and they had to go to all the nations, and they had to baptize them, and they had to teach them. And so when we think about our church, 
with a mission statement to make disciples of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Lord, how do we do that? Well, before we look into that, I want to say this, that there is no one way to make a disciple. Um, There's no one way. There is no one formula. As a matter of fact, resist and reject formulas that people may want to give you uh, because you can't cookie cut a move of God. You can't manufacture how the spirit is going to work on this individual and how he'll work on that individual. But what we have in the Bible is we have principles in the Bible concerning how to make disciples. And so let's look at a few principles that I see in scripture in order to help fulfill this command that the Lord has given us to make disciples of all the nations, to see people become followers of Jesus Christ. As we prayed for our children and our teens today, we're ministering to the adults. Jesus is for everybody because he loves everybody, but not everybody's going to hear this message. And how will they hear unless we go and preach? Because part of discipleship is going to the nations. Charles and his family just came back from going to their people. And their people were able to hear and even see the good news in action. And I'm sure many people gave their hearts to Christ. Many seeds were planted of the gospel. Many seeds were watered. And our Lord, he gives increase. So how do we make disciples? Well, one principle in making disciples is we make disciples through revelation. This is biblical. Now, again, if you are a disciple, you have the responsibility to make disciples. But you can't reproduce in someone else what you aren't. But if you are a believer, God expects you to spread the good news to unbelievers so that they can become believers. So how do we make disciples? First off, you got to have the word. Not only to share the gospel with unbelievers, but once an unbeliever becomes a believer, someone who is spiritually dead becomes spiritually alive, they become born again, Now, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, they are a spiritual babe, and they need to desire and crave the sincere milk of the word of God so that by it they may grow. We can't grow without the word of God. We need the Bible. Why do we need the Bible? Because the Bible is not just a book. It is the book. More so, it is the word of God. So when we read it, when we meditate on it, When we memorize it, it is living and it is powerful. Again, this was not written by Shakespeare. This was not written by Maya Angelou. As great as those authors and writers are, this was written by the Holy Spirit of God through various men over uh, thousands of years to give us this book of 66 different books, yet one focus, and that is the glorification of Jesus Christ. Old Testament spoke of his coming. New Testament spoke of the fact that he came. And the epistles or the letters lets the church know how we are to conduct ourselves as a result of his coming and above all, his coming into our lives. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, and the word abide means to make yourself at home, to sit down in. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So in other words, you can't say you know Jesus, but you don't know his word. I'm going to say that one more time. A lot of us know church, but we don't know the Bible. 
And that's why a lot of us are in trouble and we're living empty lives. We're victorious by position, but we're not victorious in practice because we're not in the word. Because Jesus went on to say, and you shall know the truth. What's the truth? It's the word of God. And the truth shall make you free. And a lot of us are bound because we don't know the truth. We're not in the word of God. And so if we're going to be the disciples of Jesus, yet alone effective disciples of Jesus, we've got to be in the Bible so that the Bible can be in us. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I'm standing strong on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E Bible. It's been called the basic instructions before leaving earth. That's why the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, to Christians, God says to us, study to show yourselves approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. That's why we've got to come to Bible study and we've got to come to church because we've got to know how to divide this word properly. It's a shame when a Mormon knows more about the Bible than we do. It's a shame when a Jehovah's Witness knows more about the Bible than we do. It's a shame when a Muslim knows more about the Bible than we do. It's a shame when a drunk on the street knows more about the Bible than we do. But we've got to get into the word. It's called hermeneutics. It's the science of Bible interpretation. We need to get past just trying to get a little verse a day to keep the devil away. No, we need to do some studying. We, we don't need to just keep drinking the milk. That's good for babies. But when we grow up in spiritual maturity, this word is meat. And we got to learn how to cut and we got to learn how to chew because we've developed some teeth now. And so God is saying, I want to feed your soul. And you just can't leave your Bible in your car from Sunday to Sunday and think you're going to make it. And now there's really no excuse. Never was one before. We got the Bible on our phone. So even if you're not a good reader, I hope you're a good listener because you can put the word on and the word can wash you because back in the day, they didn't all have a copy of the Bible. Somebody would get up in a setting like this and read it and the people of God would hear it read because faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. Because uh, in Genesis, he created us. Then he set the people free in Exodus. And in Leviticus, the law was professed. In Numbers, he led them through the wilderness. Moses said in the book of Deuteronomy that a prophet would rise who's greater than me. In Joshua, there is a promised land. The judges will be the ones in command. A kinsman redeemer in the book of Ruth. Samuel was a judge who spoke the truth. In Kings, he judges the kings. In Chronicles, he gets behind the scenes. Esther, he restores after the fall. And Nehemiah comes and puts up the wall. In Esther, God cares for his people. In suffering, Job has no equal. Psalms and Proverbs, you got to get in them. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Ecclesiastes, will you love life? Song of Solomon, will you love your wife? This is the Bible. But then we pick it up in uh, Isaiah. A young virgin shall conceive. Jeremiah is judgment if you don't believe. Lamentations, a prophet weeps for the nations. Ezekiel came to preach restoration. Down with Daniel in the lion's den. Hosea took a wife who was living in sin. The day of the Lord is the theme of Joel. And Amos preached against the worship of idols. Obadiah crushed those Edomites. Jonah preached to those Ninevites. And Micah, who is like Jehovah? There's no one. Don't try and think it over. Because Nahum yelled against Nineveh and Habakkuk questioned Jehovah. 
Jehovah. Zephaniah, revival under Josiah. Haggai said the judge was Messiah. Zechariah said the king would come riding through Jerusalem on a donkey. And last but not least is Malachi. Elijah will come before the Messiah. This is the Old Testament. And then there were 400 years of silence. But then in Matthew... He's the king of the Jews. In Mark, he's a servant too. In Luke's point of view, he's the son of man. But in John, he's the son of God. Understand? Acts, Jesus ascended to heaven. Romans, I got to have sanctified living. In Corinthians, he is the giver of gifts. In Galatians, the law had to take a drift. He's the God of all grace in Ephesians. And every knee shall bow in Philippians. And every tongue confess that he is Lord. Colossians, the fullness of God in bodily form. Thessalonians, he's coming back. It's in effect the dead will resurrect. Timothy, instructions for the church. Titus puts power in a minister's work. Philemon, he's even with the runaway slave. Hebrews, he's the high priest who saves. James, he's joy in all my trials. Peter said he's sinless with no guile to keep his commands. And John is the proof. False teachers condemned in the book of Jude. Revelation, he's the alpha through omega, omnipotent God. There's no one greater. You better read your Bible. <laughs> Got to get in that word. Got to get in that word. The old folks used to say, sin will either keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. How shall a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed to the word of God. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might sin against thee. Oh, this word is a sword. It's a light to my feet and it's a light to my path. Oh, you got to get in the word in order to have a relationship with the living eternal word, Jesus Christ. But let me move quickly to number two. We make disciples through observation. This is relational. If revelation is biblical, observation, it is relational. Look at 2 Timothy chapter th uh, 3, verses 10 and 11. Paul said to Timothy, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. And so Timothy was close enough in his relationship with Paul, his spiritual leader, to observe his life and to watch him. Jesus said to the 11, teach the people from the nations, when you give them the gospel, teach them to observe what I've commanded you. I've walked with you for three and a half years, not to keep all that goodness to yourself. No, you're the light of the world. Don't put that light under a bushel. No, let other folks see. Let them watch you put my commands into practice. Let them watch you, how you handle arguments and strife and stress and financial issues. Let them watch you deal with stuff on your job. Let them come in your house and watch how you raise your children. Let them watch you put the word of God into practice and Paul told Timothy, you know how I lived. You saw me get persecuted. You saw what I went through. So it is an example for you that you might do the same. And so the disciples would say to Jesus, oh, Lord, we don't know how to serve. 
Well, Jesus would take off his outer garment, lay it aside, and he would get some water and a towel, and he would get on his knees, and he would wash the feet of the disciples. And he said, if I, your Lord and teacher, have done this, you ought to wash one another's feet. So when Peter writes his epistle, he talks about servanthood because he learned servanthood by observing and by watching Jesus. Somebody's watching you. And they're either going to get something about God from you was something about the world from you. There's no in-between, and, and I pray that when they watch me, they'll see Jesus. Even in my brokenness, even in my shallowness at times, even in my failings, that people will see how grace works in the life of a believer because sometimes unbelievers think in order to become a believer, I got to be perfect like you are. No, you let them know I'm not perfect. It's only by the grace of God that I am what I am. So you let them know Christ is the perfect one, not me. I must decrease, and he's got to increase. Come on now. Come on. I'm no better than you. I'm just a beggar who found some bread. Come on and get some bread. And when unbelievers hear you talk like that, they'll say, man, I'll give Jesus a try. Because they're observing you. They're watching you. Thirdly, we make disciples through application. Yeah, it's one thing to watch somebody. But now you've got to do something on your own because faith without works is what? You can amen a sermon in here, but if we don't put it to practice out there, it's wasted time. So, Lord, how do I apply your word? Jesus said in John 13, 17, if you know these things, whatever you know, blessed are you if you do them. You may not know Genesis to Revelation, but do you at least know Genesis chapter 3? You may not know all of John's gospel, but do you know John chapter 3? Do you know what the Lord has to say about giving? Do you know what the Lord has to say about forgiving? Do you know what the Lord has to say about sharing your testimony? Do you know what the Lord has to say about being compassionate? Whatever you know by his spirit put into practice because that's how we grow. My God, the disciples went out two by two for a reason. Jesus said, y'all follow me now. Watch what I do. Observe what I do. Watch how I heal. Watch how I preach. Watch how I minister to Gentiles. Watch how I minister to women and never turn them away. Watch how I give dignity to Gentiles in this culture who put them down. Watch how I minister to the children. Watch me. Watch me. But now you got to do it. So guess what? I'm sending y'all out now two by two. James, get with John. Peter, get with Andrew. Somebody got to grab Judas. Are y'all going out? The Bible says they went out and they healed the sick and they cast out. They did what they saw him do. They had to apply it for themselves because Jesus knew, I can't stay with you constantly because if I do, you won't grow. You'll keep depending on me but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you and in you, and you can do the works that I've done even greater in terms of reaching people because Jesus stayed in one geographical location for the most part, but greater works, you can go out to the nations. You can go out to Europe and other parts of Africa. You can go and do greater works with this message. So they watched him do it, and then he sent them out, and they're out there casting out demons. People are getting healed. They're hearing the gospel preached. They come back and they're excited. Jesus, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus, it works. And Jesus had to calm them down. Again, it ain't about you now. 
Yeah, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven because y'all were tearing down his fortresses. Captives were coming out from behind his barricades and his fortresses, and they were coming into light. People were getting their physical needs met. Yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning, but y'all need to rejoice over the fact that your names are written in heaven and not over the fact that you're going out doing ministry. Let's take it back to the gospel, your relationship with God. And that's really all it's about, telling people how they can have a relationship with God. Thank God for the signs and the wonders, but the greatest miracle of all is when a sinner repents and comes to Jesus. And that can only happen through the good news that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's good news. You got to go out. You got to apply it. Your grandmother can't do it for you. There was a time she had to get you up to go to church. Do you get your own self up now to go to church? There was a time the preacher had to get on you about praying and fasting and tithing. You ought to be able to do, motivate yourself through the Holy Spirit now to apply the things of God. Grow up. And then finally, after we had revelation and observation and application, which is personal, we got to make disciples through multiplication. This is intentional. This is that part, uh-oh, wait a minute now. I paid the preacher through my tithes for him to do the work of the ministry. He's supposed to go out. Okay, maybe I'll invite somebody to church so they can hear the gospel through him. Mm-hmm, okay. But the Bible says that he gave people like me, pastors and teachers, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Let me let y'all know something. Next couple weeks, oh, you're about to be blessed up in here. You don't want to miss next Sunday. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss next Sunday, and then the Sunday after that, and then we're going into our anniversary Sunday. Y'all, woo, uh-uh. You don't want to miss any of those Sundays because you're about to be exposed to some things that is going to help your spiritual growth. And let me use one of Donna's words, matriculate. I don't even know if that's the right context, but it sounds so good when Donna said it earlier that you're going to matriculate in your group. Probably not even the right context, but I like the word. Preachers get away with that stuff all the time. Man, if you want to grow, be here. Because watch what God is doing. He's shifting the paradigm. We're not hiring professionals, professionals alone to do the bulk of the work. Because we don't have the money to do that. Amen. Thank God the lights are on. Praise him. But the goal is to equip the saints and train the saints to rise up and do ministry. The two people who led the students out today are not on staff. They're available. And so are you, and so am I. Amen. Multiplication. We've got to do this thing. Oh, I've been enjoying watching the Olympics. Oh, I love the relay race. When they running, boy, and they sticking it. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I forgot my song. I forgot my song. I'm all in. That, that, that's, what, that's what this is. I'm all in as a disciple maker. And I'm all in as I pass the baton of the kingdom and of the gospel to my son. My son is going to take it and pass it to his friends. And he's going to, that's how it works because I'm all in. Uh, Ryan, would you hit that for me? I just want to make sure I'm in the right place. Just, just hit it for me real quick. I forgot my song. We all in? Strong Town exclusive. Raising the stakes, my chips in. My chips in. We 
this race. Look what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And the things, Timothy, that you've heard from me among many witnesses. In other words, the things you heard in church, the things you heard in small groups, huddle groups, the things you heard during the 9 o'clock discipleship hour with the men, with the women, the things you heard with the student ministry, the things you heard in children's ministry, the things you heard in the group study. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So I handed it to you. You hand it to somebody else. Somebody will hand it on to somebody else. That's how we got here. Paul said, the, the things I heard about the Lord, I pass on. We have to pass it on. You've got to be, we've got to be intentional. Starting with the members of our own household. Children's ministry is necessary and needed at a church. But children's ministry was never meant to replace Chris and Darina's responsibility to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I'm going to say that one more time. Because a lot of us want to just drop them off and roll out. We just want to drop them off. Let them learn about Noah. Let them learn about Adam and Eve. Let them learn about Jesus. But wait a minute, adults. You got to learn about Adam and Eve. You got to learn about Noah. You got to learn about Jesus. Lead by example. Raise your children up. Train them up in the way in which they should go. Just don't depend upon Felicia. Just don't depend upon the staff. You have a responsibility in your house to teach your children the word of God at the table. Turn off the TV. Tell them put those phones down. Sit at the dining room table. Open up the Bible. Pray with your own kids. Hey, we can do it. You may be a little nervous at first, but once you start doing it, you'll be like the disciples. It works. <laughs> I can do it. It works. So we make disciples through Rome, I call it. R-O-A-M. Revelation. Observation. Application, multiplication, not a formula, just principles. But I will throw this at you, R-O-A-M, Rome. When we don't roam, we're going to roam. And a Roman Christian is a Christian that's food for Satan. It's going to be eaten by the lion, First Peter chapter 5, who's seeking whom he may devour. Christians without a goal are just aimless, and they're going to be the ones gobbled up first by the things of the world. But when we are intentional to do what Jesus said, to make disciples through revelation, observation, application, multiplication, no, I won't be devil's food. No, I will not be devil's food. 
He'll try to attack me to stop me, but he can't stop me because we just say, because the God who's with me is greater than anything that's coming against me. I'm out here making disciples, and I'm a threat to Satan. The Christian that ain't doing nothing is not a threat to Satan, and he don't have to marshal any demons your way. But the one who's trying to minister to his or her kids, that single parent who's trying to raise up their children and teach the word, you're trying to reach that co-worker. You're trying to reach that relative in your family. No, the enemy's going to send some demons your way to discourage you to lie to you but the God of angel armies will send some other angels to stand against those demons that come against you and beyond all of those angels Jesus says I'm at the right hand making intercession for you and by the way I promise that I will be with you when you make disciples so look I'm with you baby just go do it strong tower will grow and I'm not talking numerically I'm talking about depth when we all start making disciples and not just sit back and wait to be discipled by the so-called professionals. You get that word and you turn around and give it to somebody else who need that word. You pass it on. You pass it on. Let them watch you. Let them watch you put it into practice. Encourage them. Hold them accountable to obeying the Lord on their own terms as well. So in obedience to Jesus, as the choir comes back, the worship team comes back, we're going to pray today. In obedience to Jesus and with God's help, will you commit to being a disciple maker? Jesus said, make disciples. If you are a disciple, you're now a disciple maker. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. That you can look up and say, I know I walk with that sister or that brother right there. Because when you look at Jesus' ministry, he had a whole lot of people in the crowds but he could really narrow it down to maybe 11 disciples. And even in the midst of that, there were three who went in an inner circle. And then one named Peter, who was really, really close to him. So can you look back over your journey and say, man, I discipled this man or this woman or this boy, this girl. Can you say somebody discipled me? They took their time to get along with me, to teach me the things of God. We just can't keep learning by osmosis and trying to pick it up. We've got to be intentional. So this is what you may need to do. You may need to say, Lord, with whom am I to share the gospel with? Show me, Lord, who I'm supposed to share the gospel with. You gave me power to share the gospel. Lord, who am I to disciple? I got these baby Christians in my neighborhood, on my job, in my family. Lord, who am I to disciple? I can spend six weeks with somebody, walking them through a book of the Bible. I can do that. We can take prayer requests together. We can have lunch together once a week. Lord, who am I to disciple? And then, Lord, whom should I ask to disciple me? Maybe you should walk up to Elder Clifton and say, Elder Clifton, I see how you love your wife. I see how you persevere through trials, man. I see this glow about you. Brother, would you teach me some of the things you've learned? You go up to Joyce Davis. Joyce, the way you teach those children in the public school system, you always have this smile on your face. Oh, boy, I, I just see how you always got your hair banging. Would you just walk with me for a little bit? And Joyce will be glad to walk with you. It takes humility to do that. That's right. That's right. Would you walk with me? Discipleship breathes life into the discipler and the disciple. Those are not words. I invented those words. Discipler is not a word, neither is disciple. But again, I'm a preacher, so I have license to do that. When you disciple people, life goes into you and into them. The first person I disciple was not my son. Before my son started growing up and we would spend time in the Word, there was another young man named Cleon Harrison. 
When I started working in Franklin, you know, I, I got tired of going around just doing evangelism and rapping and all that stuff. The Lord was changing my heart saying, I want you now to raise them up in the things of God. I want you to stay in one community. I said, okay, Lord. And as I started doing that, there was this young man in particular who took a liking to me and I took a liking to him. And he would come over to our house and have dinner with us. And sometimes me and Darina would have just had some intense fellowship. And he's sitting there watching all of it because from his home, he didn't see two people in the home. Marriage was a taboo in his community growing up. So this was a new thing when he was watching this young couple work it out over 20 years ago. But he would come in because I was confident in the, in the grace of God. I could let my flaws be seen in front of whoever because I knew that when my heart condemned me, God was greater than my heart of condemnation. So, so I was not condemned by God. So I'm free. So Cleon would see us have a little intense fellowship. And it was usually her fault when something went down. <laughs> you do know that whenever we would have a disagreement, my wife comes back to me on her hands and knees. <laughs> you know what she said? Come out from under that bed and fight like a man. <laughs> See, I disciple Cleon so well, he uses that joke when he preaches. And he gets a bigger laugh than when I give. But this young man, I've been able to watch him grow in the things of God. And here's how it gives life. He just celebrated this weekend 19 years of marriage. And I know a lot of it had to do with him just watching us, observing us. And us getting into the word. And there are times when I'm struggling, he'll call me. Oh, I'm struggling. And I'll call him. And my spiritual son will have a word for me, for a spiritual father. Oh, man, it's life. Don't you miss out on one of these relationships? You might need to help with the students across the way. You might need to go back there and help with the children. You might need to come to the men's ministry, the women's ministry, and ask somebody, would you walk with me? Can I walk with you? Let's grow together. But it first begins with, Lord, I got to give myself away. Would you stand? Would you stand? Would you stand? And after this song, after this song, we're going to make this our prayer. It's not about me, Lord. It's about you. I give myself away. Dr. Joe Ozine is going to close us in prayer. My God. my
ask you to help us proclaim your name to a dying world. Lord, have us give our testimonies to all those who we run into who need to hear about Jesus. And Lord, we ask as we go forth from this place that you would protect us, that you would keep us, and Lord, that you would show us your glory and your mercy and your peace, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 